All right, let's do some NBA with Ira. Now, welcome in Ira Windman and do some uh, stuff as we get the Celtic deal done, and we'll see where else we are. Ira, welcome. How are you? Mike, and this might be the busiest week of the NBA season. All right, let's start. Uh, your thoughts on the Celtics and the Sixer deal? Um, obviously, Boston, I think, has bigger plans. They are holding that war chest to make their move. Don't know if it's Paul George. Don't know if it's Jimmy Butler. But Danny Ainge has been hoarding picks to the point that I find it hard to believe it's simply for Jason Tatum and then one more player. I think there's a part B to that equation for the Celtics. All right. What, what's your, all right, if they're going to trade, and I think you're probably right, what do you think their most logical deal is? I think that there's more safety in Jimmy Butler than Paul George. I mean, we know Paul George has made it clear through all these machinations that his end game is to get to the Lakers. So as much as there's stability in Boston, I think they'd be concerned about giving up draft assets in that direction. The Bulls thing, Mike, was almost done during trading deadline in February with Jimmy Butler going to the Celtics. They have so much they can offer right now back to Chicago that I think that's the direction they go. And again, I would not be surprised if it's a plus one. If it's not only going to be Jimmy Butler, it could be Jimmy Butler and Gordon Hayward. And all of a sudden, instead of having to rely on Isaiah Thomas as a number one option, he could fit comfortably as a change of pace, number three option. So I think Jimmy Butler right now probably is on the top of the trade charts for the Boston Celtics. Uh, do you have any reason to think the Lakers would do anything but take ball at two? Yeah, I, I do, Mike. And I, I think this, this Paul George thing changes to the point of, I am sure that Indiana calls, calls the Lakers and says, how about Paul George for number two right now and some filler? And there is some talk around the league. That's why the Lakers are trying to get a different first-round pick to maybe move this whole thing up. And, Mike, if this sounds familiar, this is Carmelo Anthony with the Nuggets all over again. Do you wait to get someone with cap space and retain your assets? Or do you do what the Knicks wound up doing, giving up Gallinari, Wilson Chandler, Mozgov, Raymond Felton, and draft choices that turned into Dario Saric and Jamal Murray to get it done ahead of time? So I think the Lakers are on the clock a little bit also, and this is clearly a player forcing his hand right now, and yet we saw what happened with Carmelo. The Knicks gave up all those assets, and what do you wind up getting? You wind up getting to a team just struggling to make the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I think Ball is not a 1,000% right now. I think the Lakers are looking at, can we get a young player? Can we get Paul George? Can we start this right now while the Clippers are going to be a little bit down? Interesting. All right, what else are you hearing? What other trade rumors are you hearing? Well, I mean, obviously you have the Butler thing in play right now. And i got to tell you, this is when the Carmelo Anthony thing will happen. I think it's more likely if the Knicks can get Carmelo to agree to a deal, this is the time now when you can put draft picks into play, when you can work on a smaller, uh, diff- different contract kicker for Carmelo than you will in July. So I think the Knicks have to be on the phone. And any team that's looking for a wing right now is calling about Paul George, is calling about Jimmy Butler, and I think it's in Incumbent on the Knicks, and I'm sure they have to be, unless they're totally out of it, calling all those teams that they're hearing about and saying, hey, if you don't get Butler, if you don't get Paul George, and we can convince Carmelo, which is the tough part of the equation, I think that's in there also. For example, I know that the Heat have interest in Paul George. Pat Riley believes this. If I bring a player into my culture, let him work with Eric Spolstra, have him live in a state without state income tax with our year-round weather, it works. So the Heat right now might be willing to offer, or at least have discussed, Tyler Johnson, Justice Winslow, maybe their number 14 pick, and then the requisite filler. 
If I'm the Knicks, you have to put in a call there because, again, we don't know where Carmelo will approve a trade to or not. We know that L.A. is his most likely destination, but I think Miami is a possibility. So the question becomes, with the Heat, how far would they be willing to go to Carmelo? They have Josh McRoberts' extra $6 million they could throw in, one year left, Wayne Ellington, $6 million, non-guaranteed. They can build the money to there. So I think, to me, the Knicks are the team with Carmelo. They should be involved in all of this also. Unlike, though, Paul George and unlike Jimmy Butler, they then have to double back to the player and say, can we have your permission to do this deal? That's where it's going to get difficult. The, the, uh, does, does the league understand what is going on with the Sixers? Did they like what the Sixers did or do they dislike what the Sixers did? No, I, 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 well, I think the league is concerned what the Sixers did when it comes to competitive balance because if Ben Simmons stays healthy, if Joel Embiid stays healthy, and Markel Fultz is the clear number one, like I said last week, to me, this is a one-player draft when it comes to the top tier of the draft. That's always been Markel Fultz. I know the Celtics say differently. They say, no, Jason Tatum fits our system better. Josh Jackson would work here. He would give us a defensive element against LeBron. But they're also weighing it against Isaiah Thomas, the love for him in that city, what he's done for them, his, imp- his impending free agency. So it made sense for Danny Ainge to make that move. But I've got to tell you, Mike, we just mentioned Dario Saric, a finalist for Rookie of the Year. If they're going to have Joel M in the middle, if they're going to have Ben Simmons on the wing, if they're going to have Markel Fultz at point guard, this is the entire Sam Hinkie vision before they ran him out of town, and now all of a sudden Brian Colangelo gets to take credit. This is a perfectly timed team, because what happens in the East? Everyone's waiting out LeBron James. Well, when you wait out LeBron James, there's a lot worse things you can do than having three number one picks to build your team around. I think if you're talking about a team on the come, I think it's absolutely the Sixers, maybe even more than the Celtics. So what I think the Celtics are saying is there's a middle ground. There's the current Cavaliers riding out with LeBron. Then there's going to be a couple of years before the Sixers get it going. That's what Boston's going to try to sneak into. But eventually I think you're going to see this topsy-turvy league where Philadelphia will be on top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, talking with Ira Winderman about the NBA as we uh, pass 3 o'clock here on The Fan uh, on this Monday program. Um, Ira, if the Celtics for some reason keep the pick, do we know who their pick is? I think their pick is more likely to be Jason Tatum out of Duke for this reason. He can come in and score immediately at an NBA level. And when you looked at the Celtics this year in the playoffs, it was too Isaiah Thomas-centric. Yes, Avery Bradley, nice player. Jay Crowder, nice player. Al Horford, I think, overpaid from the day he signed their contract. They need one more player to give them offense. But I think what they're honestly looking for, Mike, like I said, is two players to give them offense. So I think even if they take Jason Tatum, they still would go out and make their play for Gordon Hayward because they're still going to have that cap space available now before it closes up. I think they could also make a play for Blake Griffin, possibly. Play Al Horford, of course, exclusively at center and go that way. I think right now, this has changed the draft to the point where Jason Tatum goes number three to the Celtics. I think Josh Jackson would absolutely fall into the laps of the Suns. They were linked to De'Aaron Fox, but they do have Eric Bledsoe, so they can take care of themselves as a a wing. And what's going to happen is this is going to filter down the point guards in the draft to the point where the Knicks are going to have to make a decision, whether it's Dennis Smith that are interested in, whether it's Frank Nitalinka, the French point guard, 
or whether they're going to I've heard that totally they're fun. very interested uh, in the French guy. Yeah, I mean, they I've are. I've heard so they, my, my information is that they're very, that he's a guy they have a lot of interest in, and I wouldn't know him from a hole in the wall, but the rumor I hear is that they're very interested in him. And they are, but they're also linked really strongly to Malik Monk. And that, to me, is another tell on the future. Because if you look at the Knicks' future and you say, who's going to emerge as the eventual number one option? Well, I think with all the talk and bluster in the background, I think Porzingis is still that guy. But if you draft Malik Monk also, you're basically telling Carmelo Anthony, you're our future number three option. Well, if you've ever wanted to get a guy to agree to a trade, to have Porzingis there, to have Malik Monk there, and then to tell Carmelo, hey, you're number three, that probably would open the door for them. The interesting thing with Nitalinka in that range is Dallas drafts at number nine. Today, Dallas announced that Nitalinka's coach in France will coach their summer league team. So it's almost as if Dallas knows something that we don't know, and maybe they believe he will fall below number eight, and that Monk goes number eight to the Knicks, and that Nitalinka goes number nine to Dallas. So I think there's going to be a lot of maneuvering still. There are a bunch of teams looking to trade picks right now. This is a terrific draft through 14, 15, 16, where you can get a pretty much player you can count on for your rotation. But I think the Knicks are going to be one of the real interesting points in this draft. I think if it sets up the way people think, we're talking about probably the top four, like we said. Number one, obviously, Markel Fultz. Number two, Lonzo Ball. Tatum, three to the Celtics. Josh Jackson, four to the Suns. Fox, number five to the Kings. I think those five could be set. Then people looking at Jonathan Isaac, six to the Magic. Laurie Markin in the outside shooter from Arizona, stretch four, seven. I think the Knicks will make a decision. Shooting guard, which they need. Point guard, which they need amid this bluster, which I don't necessarily believe that Derrick Rose wants to come back. Well, how about the idea of Smith? You know, you didn't mention Smith, and there's a lot of rumors that Smith has hurt himself by not uh, taking physicals because they're trying to protect what is, I guess, a need that people are worried about. That so his knee has become an issue, I guess, in this draft, right? Oh, there's a yeah. And Mike, that's the interesting thing about this draft. I spoke to an agent and I asked the agent why didn't these guys show up in Chicago and take their full physicals? And he said because they don't want this information getting around willy nilly to teams. That when you take an individual team physical because of the HIPAA laws, they can't release that information to another team. So you have players like Dennis Smith out there you know, deciding that they are going to play it safe. Uh, Harry Giles, another guy who went to individual teams for, to have his knee checked out but wouldn't do it league-wide for that reason. So, yeah, you're going to have the question marks of players trying to protect themselves or we see this a lot also, players trying to get to a desired spot where they could play, where they could be in the rotation, where there's not another player with their position that's going to hold them up because the NBA is all about that second contract and getting a chance to expose yourself. So the gamesmanship here is a lot like the NFL. What players are saying to different teams, how they're picking and choosing, where they show up and where they won't show up, you could see that. All of a sudden, Josh Jackson wouldn't go to Boston to work out, didn't feel that it was in his best interest. Now they're setting up a workout for tomorrow, two days before the draft. That's the kind of thing you're seeing and how shaking up one little trade can change the next five or six picks. Very interesting. So uh, if there's another trade in this draft, where, where's the most likely trade? If there's another trade in the top ten, where is the trade most? Most likely. I'm, 
you know, Sacramento is sitting on number five and number ten, and they can do fine for themselves. If the Sacramento Kings come out of this draft with the Aaron Fox and Zach Collins, for example, they've had themselves a major upgrade on what they've let go with DeMarcus Cousins and everything else over the years. But is there a team ahead of them? Maybe even Danny H moves back one more spot or two spots so that the Kings can move up and maybe get someone at the top of the draft, a Jackson or someone or a Jason Tatum, who they can build their draft around. I always look at the team with multiple picks. Portland has three picks after number 15. Is there a team that would rather have volume in this draft, a deep draft, to maybe get something in the early teens or around number 10 or so if we do have one of those players who fall? And that's the thing. Who are the fallers? I agree. Who Dennis is the Smith faller? Is the, Dennis Smith's a knee Dennis is an Smith issue. Dennis Smith is right. the faller. I right. think Nidalinka can be the faller, and I'm really curious. Zach Collins, I've seen everywhere from certainly in a top 10 to, hey, this guy didn't even start at Gonzaga. What do we really know? And keep an eye on Harry Giles. If Harry Giles did not have ACLs in each knee, of which he says he's fully recovered, he is clearly a top 10 pick. Well, if you're a good team now and can take that chance on an all-or-nothing type of player, he could be another guy that a team trades up for and says, you know what, we're going to get a number 5 value at number 10 by trading up. So those teams at 10, 11, 12, Detroit very much looking to trade out of its pick. They've been linked to Luke Kennard and his outside shooting because Stan Van Gundy's got to win soon. And remember, the Pistons are moving to that new downtown arena in Detroit. They've got to put a product on the floor right away when they move into that shared building with the Red Wings. Interesting. Um, So you mentioned the guys falling. Who's the biggest rising uh, player right now? Well, I mean, I see, I'm still not so sold that De'Aaron Fox could even go as late as five. That, that I'm just not so sure that Phoenix doesn't say, you know what, we've traded Dragic, we've traded Isaiah Thomas, we kept Eric Bledsoe, he's not the answer, let's just get this thing right. So I think De'Aaron Fox is that kind of player that could wind up moving. i got to tell you, a guy who's up right now, who I find a little surprising, is Luke Kennard. Yes, he can shoot three-pointers. It's pretty much all he can do. So you're talking almost about a Kyle Corver type. That's going to be right now a referendum to me to let us know what are people really thinking about three-point shooting and how much is it needed. And, Mike, I find what's most interesting in this draft, a true center will not be taken in the first half of the first round. Probably the first center to go will be Jared Allen, the freshman out of Texas. He'll be right up there. Justin Patton, the freshman out of Creighton. And even them, they're more wing-type versatile-type centers. This draft, to me, is going to be a referendum on the future of center. We saw it in the playoffs. Zaza Pachulia barely played when it counted. Tristan Thompson really couldn't have an impact the first three games of the finals. Guys like Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Jordan, Marcin Gortat didn't even make the conference finals. Is the big plotting muscle game of center been sort of ruled out of the NBA. I spoke to Stu Jackson over the weekend about that. He said yes. He said unless you have offensive versatility, that kind of player simply can't work right now. And of course, against that backdrop, the Knicks owe oodles of money to Joakim Noah. Interesting. All right, I will check in again before uh, the draft and we'll see what's going on. Uh, Thanks for a couple minutes. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right, Ira Windman back after this.